Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Point of Everything in 2024. We're starting with a chat with R.F. Cheney, who released his debut solo album Tropism in late November 2023. He's a composer, producer and multi-instrumentalist whose name will be familiar to fans of John Francis Flynn, as Ross has been the drummer with John from the very beginning. And their relationship goes back much further than that. We talk about all that as well as Ross's interest in jazz, both playing and listening. And I think this is one of those chats where you'll come away with a great listening list of new names to check out. Ross is launching Tropism, his second attempt at a launch gig. You'll find out what happened to the first one at the very beginning of the interview in a moment. He's launching Tropism at the Cobblestone in Dublin on January 11th, which I'm sure will be a great gig and many people's first one this year. A little bit about the album before we begin. The press release says it reveals Ross's unique chamber electronic compositional approach that strives to tastefully combine rich textures of synthesizers and electronic instruments with Nordic jazz-inspired acoustic instrumentation of saxophones, clarinets, and double bass. Tropism was composed and recorded by Cheney, who played all instruments, including synthesizers, guitar, piano, and drums, among others. Field recordings play a subtle but central role throughout the album, giving a sense of place and ambience of where it was recorded in Dublin and Stockholm. Guest instrumental collaborators include Belgian-based Sam Comerford, a saxophonist on clarinet, bass clarinet and alto sax, and Cormac O'Brien on double bass. The album was mixed by Daryl Chaney and mastered by Grammy award-winning engineer Ben Rawlins. You can get Tropism on rfchaney.bandcamp.com. We're listening to the brilliant plume of Tropism at the moment and we'll close out in about an hour or so with Sunspots. Here's R.F. Cheney on The Point of Everything. supposed to launch your album on uh was it november 23rd 20, 23rd 23rd the the night of the riots in dublin that must have been a strange experience you guys had to did you pull the gig um well it was a vibe for sure um <laughs> <laughs> we um angus mccomley was playing support and uh i was quite nervous for the gig because i'd never put on my own gig before ever <laughs> so I was already a bit nervous and uh yeah I was there like most of the day like pretty much rehearsing in there and when we finally sat down after doing the full sound check sat down and I was like right we're we'll getting Namaste in from up the road getting Indian in sat down and we're like oh beautiful I actually feel confident about this now and then one of the lads from Adam from the Cobblestone came in with his phone and was like, "Do you see what's happening in town?" And I was like, "No, I, I like I've been completely preoccupied here. What's like what's what's going on?" And he's like, "There's like buses on fire and stuff." <laughs> so immediately, I was very nervous again because <laughs> I was like, "I hope people turn up for this gig." And then then I was like, "Yeah, the chances of people turning up is slimming very very fastly." But yeah, in the end, yeah, Angus played support and I was like, actually, that was very grounding and calming. I'm just, let's just focus on the music now. And then we we're just getting prepped to go on stage. I was like, right, I'll just make sure all my, my synth stuff is ready to go. And then Adam came in from the cobblestone and was like, very sorry, Ross, but we're going to have to close the pub. And I was like, OK, yeah, it's a very surreal night, but um, 
yeah, yeah, I think it worked out for the best because it would have been a really weird, dark buzz to be playing this like electronic chamber jazz <laughs> or whatever you want to call it <laughs> when the world is literally burning outside. So, so do you live close by? It was in, on in the cobblestone, was it? Yeah, so yeah. I live like ten minutes away. Yeah, so it was okay for you getting home. You didn't. You weren't like driving past O'Connell Street and seeing any of the stuff, and you were well, like, "What the well, fuck?" Well, I, dr- I, I drove um, my friend Dan. He was doing live sound, and uh, he had to get the dart back. So I was like, "I'll, I'll drop you to Barrow Street." And we had one moment where we were just at um, the junction up the, near the cathedral. Actually. Peace Park, <laughs> would you believe <laughs> <laughs> that um, we could just feel that something's not right, and we're like we're near the edge, like the outskirts of kind of the city center, and then we just saw a big, massive crowd, like a mob, if you want to call it that, and then a guard car getting out of Dodge, and they were just throwing bottles and everything they could at it, and we could just, I just like said to Dan, it's like when these traffic lights go green, I'm gonna have to put the pedal to the metal. <laughs> And uh, we did, but it was, yeah, it was a, a light brush with the kind of absolute lunacy that was happening that night, but it was, uh, yeah, I didn't, I actually didn't go home <laughs> afterwards. I took like the long way home because I was like, I don't want to just not have to play that gig. Really weird stuff happened that night and then just be just like lying in bed and being like, that was disappointing and also well, disappointing for many ways in Dublin that night. So I actually was driving by my friend's coffee shop his light was on so I just went in there and we just drank coffee until like 3am and just chatted what? oh my god <laughs> probably the most shocking part of the story you're drinking <laughs> coffee until 3am oh shout out Juliano Caplani and Unfiltered in Nijicore he's uh, he's very well known for staying up very late and working on, working on his craft in there so. <laughs> that's a good, a good place to retreat to I suppose yeah it was actually it was actually perfect to be able to just like go somewhere and just talk to someone who like he wasn't in the city centre yeah so we're talking in December have you got like another date uh, set for the uh, I guess the launch gig of tropi- tropism? tropism tropism yeah um, I'm yeah I'm looking at January at the moment I just have to uh, firm up with all my amazing band members uh, Cayman Gilmore is probably the busiest musician in Ireland um yeah so it's looking like January so I'm hoping to do it just before I go on tour with John or after ideally before because I think I'll have more energy (laughs) (laughs) uh you mentioned John there I guess that's probably where many people have seen you over the years playing uh, drums with John Francis Flynn how did that friendship come about is it something that goes back years with him it goes back many years yeah um yeah, I've known John since we were about 12. Like, I met him when I was in, like, first year in primary school. Or not in primary school, in secondary school in Mount Temple. Um, so I've known John since then. And kind of, yeah, John was big into trad, and that was really uncool at the time. <laughs> Even <laughs> And I was into, like, say when I was, like, 15 or 16, I was getting into, like, jazz. So we both were into things that were incredibly uncool at the time. Um, and you, usually when people say like the music that they're getting into at 15 and 16, I'm presuming it's like Metallica or Green Day. Yeah, or yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> John's, John's dad is, um, I'd say he's up there with Donald Deneen in terms of just being, he knows an incredible and listens to so much music and is so on the ball with so many things even like really niche things he might be talking about something and he, i could be like do you ever hear do you know the bass player in that band actually has a thing he's like yeah 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 i know that and have you heard this other project and it's like how do you know all this you can't one-up him <laughs> yeah it's uh so yeah so john it was back when i'm very happy to say that we're in, i i kind of came through the time where cds were still a thing and like where it was I don't know, it had more weight where I could say to John, I was like, does your dad have any John Zorn CDs? And he'd be like, yeah. And I was like, can you bring it in on Friday? And then we'd like play it in school. So it was, that's it. Yeah, very fond memories of that. And the trad stuff, I kind of like respected John for, but I I didn't really get it at, at the time. Yeah, so I'd, I'd knew John 
all through school and then I went off and did jazz college and he went off to Maynooth and got even like he was always he was playing trad since he was a child but and then I didn't really I'd see him every so often like we'd still be like friendly and we'd maybe chat on like Facebook and I'd maybe run into him at a festival or we had like some crossover in like friends groups and John would be like we should we should definitely do something we we yeah we like we sh- we should definitely like I like to get like, that kind of like jazz thing and um and then I was getting getting into like synthesizers years like over ten years ago and he was like yeah I think I'd like to have th- that kind of stuff so it it always been a thing that he's like we should definitely do something and then it was only in like I think it was like two thousand and seventeen or two thousand eighteen where John would like send me a song and started working on stuff so I think it was like 2018 where we yeah our first gig was in 2019 at Body and Soul um that wasn't his first gig kind of as John yeah. Francis Flynn yeah, was yeah, it? Well, oh okay yeah, so you yeah, were there right from his the start gig, oh, okay yeah. right yeah um so I was playing drums and the whole um tape machine thing that I suppose I've been known for if I can say that in the last few years um the whole reason why I did that was just because John was like, I kind of want this and I want this kind of like organ type sound. And I was like, I'm not going to bring like a truckload of like keys and synths. So I was like, I can use this tape machine that I got a while ago to be like, I can have all those instruments at my disposal just in like the size of a like a shoebox effectively. So that's how I kind of, it was kind of just out of practicality and I really like the sound of tape and what you can do with it, but it was a really practical decision that I've kind of run with. <laughs> what jazz college did you go to? It was New Park Music Centre, which is it's now based in DCU in St. Pat's in Drumcondra, like a, a level eight like degree associated with Berkeley. And yeah, I found out found out about it through my brother. Yeah, that's actually how I kind of got into jazz. He's not a like a jazz musician, and he, he. It was just always a thing when I was growing up, where I was getting into drums, and my brother would be like, "Yeah, that's that's cool that you're doing that, but like jazz drummers are really where it's at." And I was always like, "Oh, cool, all right." So then, I got more interested and started listening to more of it, and then um, my brother, one of his best friends, his his mother actually taught in the college and uh i heard it was her album and sean carpio was playing on it and i'd never heard drums like that and in a really modern way and i was like oh yeah i definitely want to do this so it was and then i got into loads of music that like sean carpio and simon german and all that bunch of people so yeah is your brother daryl who mixed the album daryl yeah 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 and uh so he's involved in music as well Oh, in a, in a, in, a, in a very big way, yeah. He's Daryl is actually Daryl's probably one of my big inspirations as well. I know it sounds really cheesy, but like even in terms of like synthesizers, Daryl is a, a polymath, and he like not many people know about him. He's just like has been working on his like on craft, and he's just so talented. And like in terms of like synthesizers, he knows so much and can like build his own modular synthesizers and people don't know about him because he's just not bothered like putting himself out there he's just happy just doing his his thing but yeah daryl daryl mixed the album and i i think anything i do in the future i'll get daryl to mix it as well just because yeah have you ever made music together yeah in um subplots oh okay. <laughs> yeah if you remember um so actually, I think you interviewed Daryl a few years ago. Oh, right. Yeah. My memory doesn't uh, associate. Yeah. Oh, okay. You guys are in subplots together. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the the, the only time we've made music together. We, we've kind of talked about it through the years, but... Um, and even with subplots, we're all... We're, we're not going to continue. Phil moved to Toronto and then he, he came back, but we're... Kind of this year, we've all started doing our own thing, which is oh, kind of right. cool. Yeah, we've all at the same time we would just be chatting to each other and be like, "Yeah, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna do this this year," and then Daryl would be like, "Yeah, actually, I'm working on this this year," and then Phil would be like, "Oh, actually, I'm." 
So um, I'd definitely be collaborations. I'd say um, between the three of us in some form, whether it's even on like an, an engineering level or not like directly musical, but yeah. Um, and Daryl would be my go-to person to mix it, not just because he's my brother, and but even just learning more about production and like mixing in the last few years, I've realized just like, oh, actually the way Daryl mixes is what I really, really like. So how did you get into trad you were saying that you weren't really into it when you were in school when john was getting into it was there a moment in the past like 10 years that made things click for you or was it just playing music with john we always talk about like you know the new trad revival or the new folk and stuff like that i always think it kind of starts you know this new interest in trad and folk with the gloaming back in like 2010 so i'm wondering is it around then because they're doing they were doing new stuff with trad and folk as well that maybe you know brings us up to what john is doing now as well yeah there's definitely there's a defining moment for me um wow you can pinpoint it yeah yeah yeah. well yeah well like i was getting into trad from playing and rehearsing with john and i'd be really interested on just like the like etymology of music and John would be playing playing me a song and I'd be like, Where does this come from? Like who sung this first? And so I was getting into it through that from just playing with John. I was like, Yeah, I think this is really cool and I think I could add stuff because 'cause I'm not from a trad background and that's specifically why John has picked myself and Brendan and came and it's because we don't come from that background. But um I was playing uh I was playing with John supporting Lancome in london in the dome and uh and i like i i'd gotten into lancome um before then it was when the live long day that album had come out and i'd been listening to that and going back and listening to a few of the previous albums but i was just watching them playing in london because i joined just at, like the, the last date of the uk tour and it was like sold out in this pretty big venue and i was just looking around and i was like people are really into this and this is not just like the Irish fraternity of London here. It's just like, this is like, this is like English people. This is like Londoners who are here listening to this because they're really into it. So that was kind of a moment uh, where I was not, not thinking of it from like a, or like a business point of view, like mm, this music really has legs. I think I'm going to get involved <laughs> yeah, with this. I can really cash in on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was a moment of just realizing I don't know that they get this music is connecting with people who don't come from this tradition. So, yeah, I don't know. It's I, like, and I was already getting into that music from, from playing with John and Lancome are kind of a, a different from the same class, but kind of a, a different angle that they're coming at the music or, um, but that, yeah, that was definitely a defining moment for me. Being that like, gig stands out. Yeah. And it was a really good gig with, with John as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it was, I, I remember that distinctly, yeah, just looking around and just hearing loads of English people talking. It wasn't just like, I was expecting to hear loads of like Dubliners living in London talking, but it was like anybody I talked to were, were all English. <laughs> so John knew that he wanted these musicians who weren't really into trad to accentuate the sound or bring something different to the trad. So how, what did you want to bring to it? Was it? the fact that you had the tape machines that you had the the kind of the the different type of drumming as well is it something that ye that ye sat down and talked about i mean maybe with how john's second album look over the wall see the sky ye decamped to leitrim i think for a week kind of working on ideas then was it just a case of anything goes you john and brendan just in a room away from dublin just talking through different sounds and trying stuff or is it john who has the vision who is just like no no this is what i want um kind of all of the above but i think john is is very good that he has he does have a specific vision of what he wants um in terms of he can like describe textures he might not know because he he doesn't like play like synthesizers and doesn't if he doesn't have the exact 
vocabulary just describe like technical things he can describe like a feeling or like texture so he's has great vision in that um but yeah it's definitely a collaborative thing that i i think maybe in the, in the early days when it was myself and john as like a, a duo we'd probably talk through things more like we'd be like oh we meet up for a coffee and talk what we're going to do about this song but i think as the years have gone on i think we know each other more as musicians that we don't need to we don't really need to like sit down and have like a an agm and be like okay so track number one we're gonna go for this it's <laughs> it's all it's all very natural and we kind of understand that like oh this person wants to we th- we'll still talk through things but it's it's um it's a lot more like organic maybe because we've kind of in the early days we were very much like exploring and trying to find something and see what will work and then we found stuff that worked and now we need to do something different because you can't just keep doing the same thing and that would be really boring mm. but yeah and in, in terms of john choosing his band yeah he's he said it himself like he he's picked people that don't come from a trad background because he wants to do something or because john john is steeped in tradition and is so knowledgeable about about the music and the history that he can like explain to us like where the songs come from and stuff but yeah he does want something different he doesn't he wanted a different approach and maybe a different set of ears that we if we don't come from that tradition then we're going to approach it in a different way and because he knows or he likes how we play he'll probably he'll still have to like guide us at, at, at times and again maybe more so in the early days but even even my playing with with john i'm very cognizant of in the stuff that i play say like um within the mile of dublin that drum thing i've kind of like consciously avoided trying to sound like someone sounding like a hack of being like oh yeah what is a trad yeah i suppose if it drums yeah i'll get a, a mallet on the floor tom make go make it sound like a like a bow run and kind of that would be terrible i think that would be like really disrespectful so i think like i have enough respect for it for the tradition even though like i'm like all the time i want to learn more about it but even for for that approach to that for um within a mile of dublin i specifically was like i'm gonna do something that is different like it, what i played on that is kind of like more something like yaki liebesite from can would play like it, to me that really sounds like can um so uh i think that's cool and i got a compliment from cormac begley when i was down in other voices oh yeah and, that, and i was like <laughs> what did he say he was just very complimentary he's like i really like what you're doing and i basically just said to him when i'm what i what i said there is just like yeah i'm just like really aware that i don't want to like i don't want to come in and be like what is it trad yeah grand i can do it yeah that's it no i i'd, I'd either want to like study it and do it justice so i could play some like respect the tra- mm. tradition or i'm gonna do something different which is what i've done so are you able to play the better on no <laughs> i've actually been this year i've been i've been thinking about it that i might um maybe get get lessons because for maybe like uh kinko from uh, ishbeen in heron is, is a great power on player uh to like further develop me playing in this like experimental trad folk kind of sphere that would be like another step up is like taking some of that language and maybe like trying to figure out my own way of applying it in a new way but
do, do you find that you're you are getting into it more like you looking up the different versions of the songs that are say on John Francis Flynn's album looking back through the decades at all the different versions or are you just like in the room listening to John do it and you're just like bouncing off him rather than like you say you know oh the drums sound like this on this version from 50 years ago maybe I should do something similar I guess you don't want that in your head yeah as well, maybe in one respect um, when we were making the songs I, I, I actually I'd John would play us an old version and then I'd actually listen to it try and absorb it and then not listen to it just to try and yeah, be respectful of the tradition, but not be too informed by something that's been done before. But I'm definitely like really interested. In it. Like I had a um, John and Pato Cummins, who's a amazing banjo player, guitarist, and multi instrumentalist. He's in Sk- Skipper's Alley. I often have a really interesting WhatsApp exchange. I call it WhatsApp tennis uh, knowledge exchange, where. Um, I'll ask him I'm just like I want to learn more about like the banjo tradition or like regional styles and he's so knowledgeable he can just give you any yeah like this first happened and this person came here like I find that really interesting and it's really it's great to hear someone who's just like so passionate and knowledgeable about something and then I would be telling him about jazz like tradition like contemporary and like so I think that's a really, really nice thing, like kind of like a little knowledge exchange. Um, yeah, just because I'm, I'm generally just really interested in, in the history of music and like how it comes about and even just the notion of like tradition and like purism because that's in jazz as well. I find that really interesting because you wouldn't want to be in just one camp, I don't think. I think if you're just a complete purist, to move music forward you have to have one foot in the past and one foot in the future because if you have one foot completely in the future yeah like everything is connected so yeah anyway <laughs> maybe i'm just going off on a tangent now but yeah well that well that's the the trad scene i suppose that we've talked about but i guess the jazz scene in dublin in ireland isn't something that i hear too much about you hear a lot about the booming scene in the uk but is there much of a scene in Dublin? Is there an exciting jazz scene kind of brewing under that you're involved in, part of? When I was um, kind of coming up in uh, in my like jazz studies, um, there was very much a scene um, like in JJ's on like Sunday night. I remember for like months on end, I just go there every Sunday night and be amazing musicians from like New York and like Scandinavia and everywhere so and there was a there was kind of a there was definitely a scene um with like Sean Carpio, Simon German, Justin Carroll, uh Shane Latimer and Bottlenote and there was there was loads of stuff happening and then yeah a lot of them like moved away to New York or moved elsewhere and kind of because there was kind of nowhere else really to go in Yeah, Ireland. that's that's yeah. kind of like the thing with... A lot of musicians yeah. anyway, but I'm guessing specifically for... Yeah, it was definitely a thing for like jazz musicians in Ireland. It's just like, if you get really good, it's just like, all right, now you're good enough to go to New York. So um, so for me, yeah, it went a bit quiet for years. But then there's there's a kind of a new, a new wave of musicians... In Dublin at the moment, like there's lots of sessions on, and like Lucky's like Brendan Doherty here, he he went to the same college that I went to, and um, there's an amazing drummer from Cork called uh, Mike. Oh, I can't actually remember his second name, but like unbelievable. Like I think he's he's just as good as um up like same standard as like Carpio and Matt Jacobson. It's just like um, there's, there's at the moment I think there's a real like very strong talent in terms of jazz at the moment um and are they making specific kind of jazz music in ireland or are they kind of doing other things like you know i I don't know if you'd call your album i think you called your album a couple of different genres there rather than just a jazz album um i don't think like dan walsh in cork would call his project fixity jazz might have jazz elements or something but i'm just trying to think are there are there jazz albums that i can point to coming out of ireland right now might be like completely ignorant but uh 
I don't. I haven't actually heard of any recordings of like those amazing musicians <laughs> that I've mentioned there. Um, but there's definitely a little scene, and Dan, yeah, Dan Walsh was actually ran into Dan walking through Cork <laughs> after the gig. That'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely under under the radar, I think. But maybe if you're in uh, like Lucky's or Juno is a place in Drumcondra that there's like jazz like pizza jazz that <laughs> <laughs> pizza jazz yeah. I had that before but yeah it's 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 under the radar and it was like when I would have been going to the like for for me when, like the golden age when all like um, in JJ's when there was gigs happening there all the time it was still it was so niche like like I was like oh my god this musician is in Dublin there's like nobody you're literally one of like 20 people who was like who knows who this person is mm. so I think it's it's always been quite niche and, he, and even after like say in like 2015 was it Kamasi Washington and like when Kendrick Lamar featured lots of jazz musicians there was a kind of like a bit of a, a surge in interest but it's still it's still super niche <laughs> yeah like I mean the the stuff coming from London just sounds so exciting the likes of Nubaya Garcia who are yeah, doing yeah, like yeah. really exciting stuff is that the kind of music that you're listening to or are you listening to like what whatever you kind of get your hands on yeah, I like a lot of the like Shabaka Hutchins. I think is unbelievable. Mm. Um, I think that he he's stopped making. Did did I he's, see that he's, he's put down his uh, his saxophone? Sax? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He says he's, he's kind of almost bored by it or something. Which is yeah, strange. Um, yeah, exciting, Actually, exciting as well in a way. Like a, a musician at the top of his craft deciding I want to do something completely different. Yeah, no, I have a, I have a lot of respect for that for musicians who are like, I've become comfortable in this. I need to like challenge myself yeah, yeah. um actually another like musician sean mackerlane again i like it's been so so like muddled so it wouldn't be like oh sean mackerlane jazz musician because he probably wouldn't i don't know what he wants to be identified as but he did that years ago he gave up the alto sax and took up clarinet because he's like yeah i'm just I'm comfortable on this instrument. I, I think that's what he said. So he's like wants to challenge himself. So I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I think challenging yourself and like creative limitations are good for making stuff that is like interesting to you and like new. You're going to, if you're really comfortable playing an instrument, you're going to have, whether you like it or not, you're going to have muscle memory and you're going to go to certain things. Um, so yeah, I think that's really interesting and, yeah, there's been definitely a really interesting scene in London the last few years. And there like there always has been and even like ten or fifteen years ago there was there was a uh, like a UK jazz scene that was gonna come up with like Portugal Quartet and it's a few other ones, but yeah, I think it's really interesting at the moment and it has a bit more say the likes of um Yusuf Days, the drummer, um he was in that band Yusef Kamal if you remember them but they're um, collaborating like outside of jazz which I think is I really enjoy like jazz musicians who can integrate themselves into different I still think that's like my favourite type of musician the thing that really is just like oh my god that's unbelievable when you see like Brian Blade playing with like Daniel Lanois or like proper like singer songwriter um uh, musicians when they can fit in and they still sound you can you can hear that they come from like a jazz background and have that like touch and like nuance but can really fit in in a way that's interesting and like serves the music so yeah is there certain jazz acts that you're listening to at the moment that are getting you exciting or is it that kind of more world worldy oh geez terrible terrible description international <laughs> yeah international and collaborative stuff that you get more excited about I know I'm putting you on the spot there. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I listen to like a lot of music, um, and I actually from putting this album out, I've kind of gone back to. Well, I always go back to that like Scandinavian Nordic jazz stuff that I got into uh, many years ago. <laughs> but it, it's still like I still really connect with that music. Sometimes you can go back to music and be like, yeah, I, like. It can be a bit like a nostalgia trip for like an hour and then you're like, yeah, I'm kind of done. But when I go back to that music, it's still, 
yeah it's exciting yeah it's still exciting yeah and i think when yeah when i was in jazz college and a lot of the music can be there's kind of a focus on complexity and like because jazz can get really like <laughs> about speed almost and showing off yeah it's like very technical like very technically focused like like bebop is like like in the 50s it's like it's really technical <laughs> it's really complex so i think what i really connected with in that like scandinavian nordic jazz is that there's a real focus on just melody and it's really not technical based it's really just like about getting back to melody and yeah it's it's really it's really like it's really beautiful music and it's really yeah direct and yeah when i was in college it was like it was kind of like the most punk thing to do (laughs) little nerdy little ross with his like i'm gonna rebel against this like complex polymetric like complex music and do like there's a c major scale how do you like that (laughs) um but yeah no like it's it's really direct and like there's you can hear that there's emotion in a lot of that music the say like um Jakob Bro and there's an album um of Oscar Gujanson and Scully Sverison called After Pun After After Silence. It's an Icelandic and that album is like really one of the most important albums of all time for me that I got into when I was in college and it just completely changed my perception of like music and like the music that I wanted to make from being like quite like intricate and like having like complex harmonic progressions to being like no it's just C major out of time like rubato stuff um so that album is like really really formative for me and it's with this album tropism um it's definitely a big a big part of it i'm actually when i was putting together like a press release and stuff um my friends were like don't talk about the fact that it's like it's not brand new because i was like oh, i kind of want to like i feel like i need to explain that it's like even like the a lot of the like the synth sounds and patches on it are like it's kind of me figuring out how to do things whereas now i have <laughs> a lot more technical knowledge and skill um but a lot of my friends were like don't tell people that the album is not like you didn't just like make it last year yeah. but yeah i don't want to date it too much all i'll say is it's a few years old but it's not a lockdown album because <laughs> i think that would just turn a lot of people off so did you use the album as a way of just getting better at certain instruments sort of a thing you, you kind of just wanted to make yourself a better musician at the start um it was um i kind of just because Jakob Bro is like a huge influence on me he's a danish guitarist um he had one album called sidetracked that really piqued my interest because he was using like synthesizers and it was kind of outside it was it was sidetracked it was like outside his normal music that he makes it still sounds like him so it was more yeah using like synthesizers and i was getting into synthesizers and again through my brother daryl he was getting into modular synths years ago and then he got this album Holcomb drones by luke abbott on border community and he's like check that out and i was like this is unbelievable like like i'd listened to electronic music when i was growing up like the usual suspects like fx twin and like and i liked it but it was only when i heard that album Holcomb drones it was like i want to make music with synthesizers and sounds somewhat like something like this um so it was the Scandinavian Nordic jazz that I was really already into it. And then hearing this electronic music that I wanted to like try and combine them. And I also actually found there's a notebook um, when I was making this album that I like, it's like the entire making of the album is in this notebook. And on like the first page, it's like, I've ba- I basically like wrote a manifesto to myself being like, the music should be like this. No tracks should be longer than, I was basically 
taken the elements of like jazz that I like, but the things that I didn't like, I was like, yeah, I don't want like a 12 minute track. I want things to be like quite succinct. And I even had just like, there's no traditional solos on it. And I think I had one, it was like, there'll be one moment where there's a, like a kind of traditional jazz solo on it. Um, it's on that track, Holding Pattern. Yeah, I, th- I think the lo- just looking through the track list here, the longest song on the album is the, the closing song, the yeah. title track as well. And that's just six minutes long. So y- you kind of stuck to the manifesto. Yeah, um, probably in a way that I wouldn't do now. It was like kind of fun to set yourself some rules yeah i really yeah i i still kind of enjoy that you can kind of like create a frame and they were like i'm gonna create within this i think it's easier just to like create if you've like right here's my frame what can i do within this um but i think if i was if i was making this album now because to me it sounds like an album made it by made by somebody else because it's like for me it's really like I wouldn't make the same decisions now that I made then, but I was really strict with myself. And um, yeah, I definitely do it a lot differently now. Um, but I'm still happy to to like stand over. It. I think I still think it's a good album. <laughs> <laughs> was it just the case that you kind of almost wanted to just get it out, just kind of get it out? off the weight off your shoulders in yeah, a way. yeah, yeah. You, you kind of felt that it was weighing you down a little bit yeah it's on been it. one of those things through the years if you hadn't seen somebody for a while they'd be like ross how are you getting on did you ever put the album out i was like no i haven't haven't yet <laughs> yeah i i wanted to just get it out because i've i've new music that i'm working on i'm trying not talk about this because it's i should be like talking about my, my current <laughs> stuff because um yeah i wanted to just get it out and I think I'm still happy with it, even if I do things differently now. I still think it's a good album. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it sounds really good. <laughs> okay. I think it's okay to say that as well. Like in the press release, so you said that you wanted to explore ambiguity and the in-between yeah. in several aspects. You wanted to blur the lines between acoustic and synthesized sounds say you were inspired by a kind of one plus one equals one conceptual approach to the instrumentation viewing two instruments blending together to create a single new sound rather than just two instruments playing at the same time was that an easy thing to do looking back at it or was it something that again was just a rule that you wanted to stick to and could you make a whole host of tracks using that idea and if you want to kind of like maybe explain the idea i'm guessing very basically it's like a piano is playing this sound and the acoustic guitar is playing the same yeah it was actually it was an interview that i heard years ago with a a jazz pianist uh from new york um aaron parks and he was talking about that on his album they have awful names for (laughs) that's another thing i wanted to get away from some of the like jazz albums that time they have awful names it's like album titles yeah and the track titles that's something i actually (laughs) struggle with a lot because a lot of the like jazz titling can be really like cerebral and it's just like there's no I don't know like emotion to it It sounds really cerebral but in that interview he he was talking about yeah how combining two instruments can he was conceptually thinking of it that it creates a new sound don't think about it like like a piano and a double bass as like think of that as one new sound not as two instruments together and I, I thought that was really it's really simple but I thought that was really interesting so that's what I wanted to do at the time was combine, yeah, like synthesis and acoustic instruments, but kind of blur it in a way that, like, there's a lot of, there's, I was big into symmetry at the time, even like the way the album is like, there's so much stuff that I've even forgotten about that I'm like, oh, geez, I forgot that there, I like, there's like loads of symmetry in this, like, keys part or whatever, but that I'd have, say, acoustic clarinet and then, a synthesizer and I could be like right on this one I want it to be it sounds like a clarinet but there's a like a electronic element in there that you're like is that acoustic or not and then vice versa I'd have like a synthesized sound and then a little bit of an acoustic element to it that it's like it's yeah like and I wanted to sound like organic um so that's something that I explored like throughout the album is yeah that ambiguity and even in the album itself the ambiguity in terms of like 
mood because it's instrumental music and i think that's something that's really great about instrumental music that it's it's really ambiguous like it, it can be really clear in terms of mood if you're going to be like oh it's really happy and it's like major and blah blah blah, blah. but i think it's really interesting when something is because the music is really abstract when you think about it like especially instrumental music it's really abstract art form in terms of is it weird it was just it's just sound like <laughs> just when you when you when you think about it but even like the the moods and stuff that like nordic jazz that it's it's really direct compared to most jazz it's like really direct that you're like oh i can hear that there's like there's a lot of emotion there but it's still unclear there's this like in between that you're just like it sounds really emotional but it's still like restrained but it sounds like you can't figure out whether it's like is that like happy or kind of sad or like nostalgic sound i really enjoyed it yeah yeah it's not giving you the the full story yeah 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 so i like that there's like interpretation from the listener yeah when it's instrumental music because you can just make it about i'd like i'd be interested to hear (laughs) what other people have gotten from the album if they have you did a couple of field recordings for this as well yeah, did yeah. You in Stockholm and around Dublin. Was that during the lockdown that you were around Dublin doing the field recordings? Oh no, no, no. this this is a this is a pre-lockdown album. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I like it. every 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 time you're revealing a little bit. It's like we're going back a little further. I'm wondering, <laughs> <laughs> this is like a 15 year old album or something. <laughs> um, yeah, no. At at the time, I was into like whatever music I was listening at the time had field recordings that to me at the time it was really novel it's like wow and also for instrumental music I think it's it's a way of slightly like humanizing not that the, the music sounds like robotic or anything like that but because there's no lyrics and people can't really like grasp like what is this like what is this what is this about I think if if there's a sense of place people can kind of it I think it humanizes a little bit and for me like when I if I listen to that album I remember exactly where I was when I like recorded that and like yeah it just gives it a, a, a sense of place and humanizes instrumental music which is interesting yeah. You've played with a whole host of musicians over the years I guess John Francis Flynn among them um, how did you find making music yourself was it harder just doing it on your own doing pretty much everything on your own and trying to stitch it all together or was it kind of I can play around. I can finally indulge these ideas that I have. It's. I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword, especially for me, who's someone who's just like an endless tinkerer and like just like keeps chipping away at stuff. That I definitely learned a lot. Yeah, it was great being able to do because I'd never. Any time I'd written music before, it was played by like other musicians, and then I'd just be playing drums. Whereas now it's just like oh, I can like create these like synth patches, and I can do everything by myself. So it was very freeing in a way, but it ended up by the end of it, I was like, oh, I don't I don't want to do this again. So then I ended up playing like with, with bands and stuff like that. But I think it's, I wouldn't want to just be one thing because I, I really enjoy collaborating with other people because you kind of have just like a brief. <laughs> Whereas if you're just making an album by yourself, you either have to like brief yourself, like do that manifesto mm. kind of thing. And I, I think collaborating with other people I really enjoy because there, like, there is weight on it, but it's, it's less in terms of just like, oh, I'm expressing myself. This is like a pure expression. It's just like, no, to just like they want this kind of like synth thing. And it kind of allows me to explore things that like I might want to work on by myself. Like, and I can just like try stuff out. I definitely learned a lot from making the album and how I would like what things i'd like to do more of and i think having collaborators on the album just that like choice moments i have my friend sam comerford who's lived in belgium for the last maybe 10 or 12 years and cormac o'brien who's actually one of my tutors in college (laughs) because i think when i was in the really early days of thinking about this album like i had a, a trumpet and i like gotten alone like a friend's clarinet and I was like, oh, this is cool, yeah, actually. And I was like, actually, no. Because, like, to get to a level, like, it's it's all very well being like, oh, I completely am multi-instrumental. I played all the instruments myself. 
to get to a level to make it actually sound good the amount of work required when i can just be like yeah i know like one of my good friends is like an absolutely insanely good sax player which is like why not just get him because he's gonna do it like a million times <laughs> better than i ever could if i practiced for like 10 years and also it's kind of inspiring for me because even on on some of the the tracks sam comfort he didn't actually have much to go on i could just have like a keys part and i intentionally i remember i was recording it was probably really annoying that i did it i was like sam i kind of want to like capture just like you just like feeling it out so i'm gonna just play it to you yeah it's in f yeah yeah fine and then i just put the tape on and he would just like play over it and uh that kind of inspired what how i would kind of fill in the space around that or yeah so having collaborators and i think anything i do in the future um and stuff i do have planned at the moment there's always going to be collaborators involved that's something that you figured out after making this like solo album that you actually want to play yeah with yeah and i think I, I think that's something that is like and not just because oh other people can do it better but it's just really if you're making something completely by yourself it can be I you know you can kind of lose kind of it's good to have another pair of ears on it even if you've completely like figured out like i want this really specific thing um and also it's just really cool to play with people that are like unbelievable musicians and you're like good friends and, and you can then you can meet people through that as well um so yeah so you mentioned that you've got that you're working on new music we won't talk about it too oh, much yeah. but what are what are kind of the differences in sound or in ideas in rules that you've set yourself for maybe like album number two yeah um it's definitely going to be like the whole thing about the album tropism it's like it's all very like restrained and i was like trying to avoid the obvious things where it's like oh it's going to drop now and there's going to be like bass and drums like uh uh-uh, no that doesn't happen <laughs> or it'll just like hint at it which now listen to the album now i'm like why didn't you just go for it <laughs> and even making that album I don't think it sounds like it's made by a drummer like and that, that's the thing when I was making it first is like I really don't want to make an album that sounds like oh this is just a drummer doing like beat tapes or something like that so the music that I'm working on at the moment is yeah going to be um it, I think it still will sound like me but it's different and it'll be less subtle still in a tasteful way but less like restrained and there'll be vocals i won't be singing it though thanks thanks be to jay's <laughs> um so yeah it'll be a lot more direct i'm i'm actually very nervous about writing uh lyrics because i've never done it before luckily i have loads of friends that are really good lyricists and literary people that i can bounce stuff off because i'm definitely not going to record something or put something commit something to a record that is just like oh god that's awful <laughs> there's no hiding behind that cool so that's one of the plans for 2024 and yeah. uh you're gonna be back on the road in the uk with john in january and february yeah are there other are you playing with other musicians as well yeah actually actually um my friend shamus highland who's another it's another example of me playing with like unbelievable trad musicians and me not doing trad stuff he has he has his first solo album come out that's really interesting that i um played drums mad drums on it it's weird <laughs> um and like modular synths and like processing shamus's um accordion which is really interesting so i'm excited for that and my friends my very good friend kevin fowley he has an ep coming out that i worked on as well no drums i did again like modular that's kind of like aside from drums i think of like the modular synth is like my primary instrument that i like if i'm making music or collaborate with someone i always just think it's like that like modular synth is like that that's my instrument kind of which is kind of cool cool uh sounds like you're busy enough yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. congrats on thank tropism and uh best luck for 2024 busy man thank you very much cheers on thanks for having me